Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, sponsored by Palo Alto Networks, we're going to get into SASE or the Secure Access Services Edge. SASE combines SD-WAN with cloud-delivered security services. Now you can integrate SD-WAN and cloud-delivered security from different vendors, but Palo Alto Networks is here to make the case for why you might want to consider a single vendor approach. Our guest is Don Meyer. He is Director of Product Marketing for Prisma SASE. Don, welcome to the podcast. So the SASE space is still fairly new. Are you still in the evangelization explanation phase with customers, or has the conversation started to change around SASE? Ultimately, we saw about 24 months ago, the conversation was really centered around, hey, there's this thing called SASE. And people say, SASE, what the heck is that? <laughs> they they, they kind of heard about it, but it wasn't really a thing for them at the time. Obviously, there were other pressing issues. Uh, had to connect their remote users. They're transitioning to a, mostly a full-time remote work staff. They had to transition a lot of their infrastructure into cloud. So they had really you know, very fixed problems that they were trying to solve. And the SASE thing seemed kind of elusive. So 24 months ago, we're saying, hey, this is real. This sassy thing can really help. Um, and if done right, you know, you can start to build a, a good foundation to help you transition into this, you know, remote workforce full-time thing. You can transition into, you know, more of the cloud initiatives that you're doing. That was 24 months ago. Today, interestingly enough, and we're seeing this manifest itself in a number of ways, but the biggest part of it is the macroeconomic challenges that we're all kind of facing. We're seeing that organizations struggling to do more with less are really turning to, okay, we get it. Sassy is the thing we need. Yeah. How do we, how do we get started? We're, what's, yeah. what's the right architecture? What's the right approach? So I look at Sassy as a convergence in security. A lot of security features are today products. So you go out and you buy a threat protection and threat prevention. You go out and buy a data loss prevention tool. You go and buy a logging tool, user authentication right. or zero trust, you know, and all of a sudden you've got like, 20, 30, 40 tools, and you're trying to build them together and unify them. I sort of see SASE as a step to saying, you don't need to have a separate tool for all of those. You can use a single platform. And this is where Paolo's done a great job. You've gone from firewall, application firewall with threat capabilities and saying, well, why don't we cloud enable some of that? And then SD-WAN some of that, and then all the security stuff. And let's start putting it all together into one single platform. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, you know, to your point, there is still kind of that perception in the marketplace that, you know, best of breed equates to a single standalone thing. And so we're mm -hmm. still seeing organizations struggle with that, even on the SASE front. Um, there are a number of vendors out there, and I'm going to put in quotations, that use a, quote, SASE narrative when they're talking about their products. Um, SASE, to your point, is the convergence of networking and security into a singularity, which means that these are functions that are fully integrated should be managed from a single council should provide a consistent set of outcomes. Um, however, that's not always the case, depending on who it is that you're, you know, purchasing your SASE solutions from. And we've seen a number of vendors offer bits and pieces. Um, yeah. There is some cloud delivered this or some SD-WAN that, and they're telling the customers, Hey, yeah, go ahead and deploy that but it's up to you to integrate it to the rest of this stuff. <laughs> and pretty yeah. soon we're right back to where we started. We've got these kind of siloed solutions that are doing very important things for us, but it's it's not necessarily delivering the value that SASE is promising in terms of really alleviating that complexity, driving better outcomes. And we don't think that, you know, from Palo Alto's perspective, that's the right approach. We think that 
fundamentally, you should start with an approach that is a fully integrated solution, SD-WAN, mm-hmm. networking, plus all the security services. And on top of that, because yeah. experience is so critical to the success of your overall solution, you have to integrate some kind of digital experience monitoring or what we call ADEM or autonomous digital experience management solution to the underlying infrastructure. So that end to end, you can see not only how is everything performing, are we getting the right policies in Forced, you know, but how is the overall user experience? And if there's a problem, can we look at that last mile, which we don't own, all the way to the application and see where that potential problem is? And more importantly, how can we remediate it? So what I really think is happening here is that SASE is about this operationalization, this idea that operating it is the day two. Years ago, we used to look at things as day zero. I need features and functions and speeds and feeds. And then day one came along, which was how quickly can I deploy this? How easy is, you know, zero trust touch provisioning? But now it's really moved to day two. How do I operate this? How do I get long-term value? Now, part of this is this shift to subscription licensing and having to prove that your product is delivering value every month, you know, or every purchase order interval. But also it's actually important to people now to say like, if I'm going to make 100 changes a day to this network, to this SD-WAN, if I'm going to have security fully integrated and doing its thing, I can't just fire and forget. I can't just deploy it and walk away from it anymore. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, taking that point a little bit further as well, yeah, I can't just continue to do these things in silos where there could be conflicts or that could mm-hmm. create some kind of potential, you know, policy violation or something along those lines. These two things have to be aligned. And if it's one thing the cloud has taught us is that tools when they're done right, a centralized dashboard, when done right, can be a Mm. very effective tool for mitigating a lot of complexity, for uh, providing a lot more flexibility and a lot more agility to the organization. So when things Mm. do come up, when a pandemic hits and we're forced to scramble to do things, if I have a central point of view on things and I had things talking to each other and sharing information and giving me a clear view of what's really going on, well, I can make better decisions and I can make them more effective quicker and move my business in the direction that it needs to go. And that's ultimately, I think, the value that SASE can bring. Well, let me ask you, you're talking about a centralized dashboard. Are we talking about one place where I'm doing my SD-WAN, the networking stuff? I'm also setting my security policies and also I'm looking at uh, end-to-end performance from the digital experience management portion? That is the ultimate goal. And unfortunately, it's not an elusive goal. That's something here at Palo Alto Networks that we've been investing very, very heavily in and are actually bringing a lot of that to market right now. Yes, we have a centralized dashboard where you can see your SD-WAN deployment. You can see your policies, how they're being enforced, what traffic is coming from what branch networks, how all of that traffic from an experience perspective is being monitored and more importantly, being affected so that if there is a an issue reaching a particular application or if there's an issue in a particular node for processing, we can resolve that and redirect traffic to the appropriate either hop or wherever it needs to go. So this notion of a single vendor approach sort of, I mean, kind of flies in the face of what kind of was the recommendation in some ways for IT in the past in that best of breed is the way to go because, you know, vendor A might have the firewall capabilities I need, vendor B might have the SD-WAN that I need, vendor C is doing this cloud-delivered security thing that looks good to me. So I'm better off, one, you know, from a competitive perspective, playing them off each other, you know, in terms of how much I'm spending and so on, and two, I'm getting what I need from each vendor. So, but you're saying... That you, you're making an argument that that's not the way to go anymore. 
Yeah, I would argue against that mode insofar as that when we went down that path and we, gosh, we've seen that over mm -hmm. the past 20 years, you, know, you go into a security operations center in a large enterprise organization. Um, they have a limited staff. Um, they've got unlimited alarms and alerts going off all the time. <laughs> There's log files that they got to compile and, and dig through. They're using, you know, some type of uh, SIM tool. They're using mm -hmm. other tools to try and make sense of it all. And they still are getting breached and they're still having trouble and they're still struggling trying to figure out what's the right policy adjustments we need to make to be able to get the right outcomes we're looking for impossible to do that when you have 50, 60 disparate, different solutions that all are managed by their own management council that have their own policy constructs that have their own schemas in terms of how they function in, in, in operate can't be agile. You cannot move quick enough when you're constantly having to dump a ton of money into just parsing through logs. What a, a fully integrated solution is going to help us to do is to alleviate that complexity. It's going to give us commonality, which is a very important first step, right? If we can standardize on a set of logs, we can standardize on a set of, of context or contextual bits of information. What it makes it a little bit easier for us to really understand what's going on uh, with a fully integrated SASE solution, such as what we offer with Prisma SASE, you have a common data lake, you have a common policy construct, you have common features and functionalities across all of the different networking and security functions, which makes the job of a, an IT admin that much easier. And that's an important part is you don't want to be at work for more than eight hours a day. And one of the things about SASE and this automation and orchestration and single points of control does mean you can do more work remotely and you not lose control. Like in five years ago, 10 years ago, you had to be in an office in the knock or in front of your console, which you couldn't see remotely easily. And now we have the tools to be able to be, you're just as uh, capable in monitoring the state of your SASE network or your WAN or your off-prem cloud as well, because SASE also includes your off-prem cloud like AWS and Google as much as your on-prem, right? So exactly. it's you're just as effective remotely as you are as if you're in the office. And I think that's an underrated part of this. And more importantly, too, now we can start to take advantage of things like machine learning or artificial intelligence and start yeah. looking at ways that we can automate some of these things, right? So if we can start to take the mundane tasks, those day-to-day -day rudimentary things that we're bogged down with, mm -hmm. automate some of that because the data now is standardized. I don't have to scrub it. I don't have to try and figure out and parse through it how to make it you know, uh, understandable in different environments. I have a standard set of data. I can run it through different algorithms and I can start spitting out the right types of actions that I need to partake. And then I can trust it to my AI powered, you know, <laughs> operation center, if you will, <laughs> and let it start performing some of those functions. And that's another benefit that you get when you can standardize across the board on this kind of fabric approach, if you will. So we've yeah. been introducing different AI ops tools, one in particular around our ADEM solution, which will actually help to auto remediate uh, certain uh, situations that could be affecting uh, end user overall performance. Okay, that's interesting because in the ADEM space, where I think we're particularly talking about remote users, there are so many things that could be affecting the application experience. It could be, you know, the local Wi-Fi strength, the ISP link. It could be a problem at the SaaS provider or wherever the app is being hosted. And with ADEM, because you can monitor right on the client and measure end-to-end -end performance, you get a better view of what's happening. But 
the other side of that is that it also generates a ton of data that when you're troubleshooting, you have to look through. So you're saying by having this common data lake, this common, um, you know, view into the data, I can sift through that more easily or let the the system sift through that more easily. Exactly right. And then it gets compounded when you bring branch offices into the mix, right? Because mm-hmm. branches are still a big part of the enterprise footprint, if you will. And transformation on the branch is still happening, you know, whether that is direct to cloud or whether it's, you know, into these these open spaces for uh, for a different set of, of users those transactions at the branch are just as legitimate. And there are different challenges when, you know, trying to provide a a robust experience at the branch office that's consistent, ubiquitous, or at least online with what you get on campus. So yeah, there's a whole different set of things that we're looking at from the branch perspective to get that level of visibility. Well, no, Mm -hmm. you got to go deploy a bunch of sensors in the branch offices and I got to try and tie those sensors back into my thing. I got to parse those sensors logs into my data lake and try and make sense of all this stuff. Ish, big nightmare. One of the parts that we don't often talk about here is a unified security policy. This is still a security solution. So because I have a centralized control and I can create a policy that uh, that applies to the SASE, that actually can be propagated to every device in my system. Whereas today, if you're using a more traditional SD-WAN approach, some of them are manual, right? You'll yes. still have to go and apply access lists or some sort of whitelist for everything. In oh, yeah. the case of Palo SASE solution, it's just like, this is my policy, allow everybody to get access to Microsoft Office 365 online. And boom, it's consistent everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And to expand that from the branch to the campus networks. Yeah, the hard part is, is with a lot of organizations who are going down the SASE path, a lot of the solutions that are out there are different from what they have perhaps deployed on-prem. And now, you know, as much as we talk about the cloud, cloud is is this huge, huge part of what the enterprise infrastructure footprint is going to be going forward and still is going forward. Mm. But prem isn't going away. It's changing, but it's not going away. So if I have stuff on-prem, how do I get a consistent outcome? How do I get consistent policies? How do I get that consistency with regards to, you know, mitigating risk? I can extend it now to my branch offices, my remote users, but as soon as they come on campus, well, now I got a whole different set of security tools that are different and the outcomes could be different and and so on and so forth. With Palo Alto Networks, because our underlying infrastructure is consistent, whether it's Mm. a hardware form factor or a VM form factor or now a cloud form factor, that underlying security construct is the same thing. The policies are the same. The the services that we're utilizing are the same. So we can create this kind of holistic, ubiquitous experience, irrespective of if the user works from home 100% of the time, or if the user migrates from a home office to Starbucks to a branch office or to the corporate campuses in all points in between. And that is, again, something that's really interesting that a lot of organizations are starting to perk up to, to say, hey, that's important because we know uh, the experience that a user gets on-prem should be consistent with what they're getting uh, at home or at the branch offices. And with a lot of other solutions, unless they're tying all that stuff together and they're having that, that commonality with regards to services and constructs and policies and context, it's impossible to be able to deliver. I'm curious if you're seeing customers because, you know, SASE with its tie into SD-WAN sounds like kind of just a branch oriented solution or a remote access oriented solution. Are you seeing customers also integrate SASE into their, their campus or headquarter networks as well? 
Yeah, especially as we're seeing, you know, the explosion of different applications that we're now bringing to market. A lot of organizations have been augmenting a lot of the stuff they're using in SaaS with different applications that are specific to whatever functions they're trying to solve for on, you know, in, in their environments. And so opening up those different environments, whether they're a premises-based data center or whether it's an Azure data center or, you know, any other cloud provider, it can get a little bit interesting. And to bring kind of the SD-WAN capabilities into these different environments where we can leverage, you know, more cost-effective telecommunication links, broadband links, what have you, uh, and still get the same type of quality service, still get the same guarantees, and we can still tag the same type of traffic and, and prioritize the things that we want to. It's, it's advantageous for a lot of organizations. And we've built a robust portfolio of appliances, both virtual and physical, that can be deployed in a variety of different branch offices as well as data center environments. So yeah, we are definitely seeing there is an interest in bringing those same types of capabilities because it's cloud delivered and it's cloud managed. And I don't have to really bring a lot of people on prem or into these different environments to have to manage these things. Uh, it's it's a, a big time saver. Plus, it's it's a big cost effective kind of uh, opportunity for a lot of organizations. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing it. Okay, so one more question before we wrap. We've sort of alluded to a little bit with the mention of data lakes and a common data format, and we I think we did touch on AI, but are there? Are, I assume that Palo Alto Networks is also leveraging all the data and information they're collecting to bring AI into the mix? We're looking at AI very, very broadly, definitely from an AI ops perspective, right? Trying to help alleviate some of the the operational challenges and complexities, but also as we look at how the threat landscape is evolving and the tools that are now available to the bad guys that are out there, um, they're starting to leverage AI a lot more too. And one of the key things that we've been discovering painfully is that you cannot combat AI by trying to do the same things, right? By, by throwing more and more technology at it. Um, the best way to combat AI is with AI. Um, and so we started to incorporate AI into some of our threat prevention capabilities. Uh, we were one of the first to bring to market AI-powered threat prevention, which gives us the opportunity to start looking at uh, zero-day attacks. Um, what is a telltale sign of an attack? If we see you know, a payload that comes into an environment or is going towards a, a server or an endpoint, we don't know what it is and we don't recognize it as something we haven't seen before. We'll send it out. We'll, we'll explode it. We'll figure out what it's doing. And then in real time, we won't block that traffic, but in real time, we'll analyze what's going on and figure out the best way to mitigate any type of malicious activity that we see. We do that in real time. Um, we're expanding those capabilities to start looking at one of the more pressing issues, which is around phishing and man in the middle phishing attacks. Uh, we're leveraging AI algorithms to help us identify uh, telltale signs of not only malicious sites, uh, but how men in the middle attacks are propagated, especially modern men in the middle attacks. Uh, and we're leveraging these different algorithms to mitigate these again in real time without impacting performance or completely outright blocking different legitimate sites that might have uh, some nefarious uh, activities that are in, in, in some of the underlying undertones there. Um, so absolutely AI is one of the most important aspects of evolving kind of that security narrative and that security capability. But we are doing AI across the board. So we're looking at how do we implement AI for URL filtering? How do we look at AI for IPS? How do we look at AI for all these other capabilities that we have 
so that we can augment all of those capabilities and make them more intelligent. The thing about AI is that it's going to be smarter than the traditional ways, you know, like a threat team finds something and, and then adds it, or you monitor a bunch of other threat researchers. AI will be much quicker to recognize patterns and perhaps add something to a list or flag it up to threat researchers more quickly. So it's really that operational acceleration is the same way as you get anywhere else, really. hundred percent. So it's, you know, it is reducing the complexity. It's making us, you know, uh, res- able to respond a lot faster, but it's also having a huge impact on what is unknown out there and how do we resolve from unknown to known to blocked in a really, really fast amount of time. So yeah, there's a lot okay. of benefits there. And again, having a fully integrated system, you can tap into that yep, in a much sure. more effective way. All right. So uh, we are at the end of our time. If folks want to find out more about what Palo Alto is doing with Sassy, where should they go? Yeah, come join us over at paloautonetworks.com. Uh, we have a ton of activity that's going on on the SASE front, including uh, an event that's going on on April 5th of this year, uh, where we're going to be unveiling not only some of the things that we were talking about today, but a whole lot more in, in capabilities and innovation. So please check us out, paloautonetworks.com. All right. Well, thank you, Don, for joining us. And thanks to Palo Alto for being a sponsor. Sponsorship makes it possible for Packet Pushers to do what we do. If you like this podcast, you can find many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at PacketPushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at PacketPushers, hear us on Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.